instant yeah the the age of digital all right back with uh mr storing in the studio with the new puzzle on the table what is this puzzle oh this is a star wars one the classic action figures man which is that's amazing look at all the ones on the back actually okay so there's there's even more yeah i would like to do the boba fett a friend of mine that's that's a good one i like Uh, it and then uh the yoda Mm -hmm. right over here apparently that one's pretty hard dagobah sweet yeah it's good stuff so uh so we're doing kind of an impromptu music unraveled podcast uh thank you for collaborating on all various topics because i i love talking about different things and i hate dumping all of the things i like on one audience at the same time we gotta gonna segregate it out uh so we're just gonna do pink floyd singles yeah you you're just gonna direct uh direct me what to pull up we're gonna talk about them um and we're going to do some future podcasts with previous guest Jeremy Barlow. Yeah, it's going to be great. Trifecta. Yeah. So what we'll do is right. We'll we'll cover the right the we'll cover like Piper at the Gates of Dawn with with Jeremy and but we'll start this off with the uh, with the early Pink Floyd singles, which were from 1967, 68, and I think their first release was Arnold Lane, which was backed with uh, the B side uh, Candy and a Current Bun. I think is the name of the B side. Both songs written by uh, Sid Barrett, who was the original lead, uh, yeah, front man of, of Pink Floyd. It's weird. I, I feel like a lot of people don't necessarily realize that like Pink Floyd were. I agree. They this, don't this get psychedelic, this era. yeah, like like band that. Yeah, I mean, it's it's, this it's, is it's incredible. Weird, this is a weird little video. Too. It is, but it's it's. I mean, it's it's of its era, but it's. I don't know. It's it's just it's great, but this uh, this song is, uh, uh, I would say, very typical of uh, early Pink Floyd. Sid Barrett, and almost like uh, I I don't want to describe it necessarily as childlike because it's a song about a crossdresser. You know, it's you know, but it it does have a sort of sing songy rhyme. It, it's a it's like a, it's a pop song. Yeah, yeah, right. it's yeah, it's it's a full-on pop song. But yeah, um, was this their very first video that that the Floyd did? I think so. Were they called the Floyd at this time? Uh, at, at this time, I think I think they were. I want to say they were the Pink Floyd. Okay, which. Uh, Maybe I've just heard people refer to him as the Floyd early in the history of the band that yeah. were like close to him. Well, as far as I understand it, I think they took the name from, was it like two blues musicians? Yes, right? I believe so. Yeah, that's, which yeah, kind of fitting, e- even though for this period, it's kind of not because it's like psychedelic stuff. It's not, it's not blues, but it's, it's weird to, to see these, these guys are so young. You know? <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Roger Waters, um, <clears throat> somebody said this in like a documentary i was watching like he was like uh he aged well uh but did not <laughs> yeah. look like super attractive as a younger no, guy no but no, david no. gilmore kind of the opposite yeah yeah <laughs> yeah that yeah, that's cool how they do the reverse so yeah and david gilmore not 
in right. the band right. at this yeah. point. Yeah. That's the fascinating part. That's what a lot of anti-Gilmore are, uh, people, not like they're anti, but people that are more on the Roger Waters right. side of, yeah. of things, uh, like to cite is like, hey, look at this. Remember this time? Right. Yeah, because this is when you had you had right you had Sid Barrett, you had uh, uh, Roger Waters, uh, Richard Wright, and uh, Nick Mason. Yeah. Would um, and uh, Richard Wright has since passed. Yeah. Right? He, uh, Nick Mason was playing some of the Barrett era stuff with some other I heard musicians. About that. And, yeah. uh, it's incredible. We could um, we don't have to do it on the podcast, but right. there is some great videos on YouTube of it. Yeah. Uh, the live performance, good audio. It, it, was, it blew my mind. I'm, I'm not going to lie. I was like, it, that's what I love about Roger's stuff, too, is he's just able to recreate it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so that was that was Arnold Lane. Okay, what did you say the B-side was? Uh, the B-side to that was uh, called Candy and a Current Bun, which, uh, I, mean, which uh, I think Candy and a Current Bun was actually covered by the Mars Volta. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, my friend Dylan Sparks loves the Mars Volta. He is talking about them all the time. Yeah. I remember, uh, you remember Andrew McDougall, right? Yes. He loved the Mars Volta. Yeah, was I always, liked, I always liked the Mars Volta quite a lot. I never bought any of their albums or anything. I listened to them a little bit over the years. So I, like, I can't even remember their one song that I had like in rotation or whatever. But right. I, I should probably get it. Every time I listen to them, I'm like, these things are blowing my mind. Yeah, yeah. I used to be into uh, sort of their original incarnation, which was called At the Drive-In. That's what, you know, the, the two leads or whatever were known as back then. But I they I feel like have an appreciation for, like, early Pink Floyd stuff. Because At the Drive-In covered Take Up Thy Stethoscope and Walk, which is off of Piper at the Gates of Dawn. Yeah. You know, so, but... Yeah, this is candy in a current bun, but listening to this, yeah, it's very, very pop, very, yeah. you know, yeah, very bouncy. Very of the time period, though, yeah, right? Yeah, it is. Well, think about the uh, the studio space that they were sharing with people at the time, like the people they were passing in the halls. Right, yeah, that's, that's true. Um, actually, Pink Floyd, when they signed with EMI, uh, part of the stipulation in their contract was for less royalties. They actually got more studio time. So they had more time to work on stuff and all that. But yeah, allegedly, right, at this at the time they were recording Piper at the Gates of Dawn, the Beatles are supposed to be at Abbey Road Studios recording Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band, right? And I believe Pink Floyd actually got yes, to sit yes, in. Yes, that is true. Yes, yes. Right, and, and listen to some of the, the Beatles stuff as they're recording it. Wow. You know, it's... <laughs> So we were mentioned. We were talking about have a cigar. Um, who's the singer of that? I was trying to tell somebody oh, the other day, and I can't man. remember who it Roy is. Roy Harper. Okay. Yeah. What do you think? And that whole line about which one is pink—that is a fascinating, right? Song. It's like it's the one song on the album that neither Roger or David sings. Yes. Even it's, though Roger did sing the original or whatever but his voice was allegedly shot at that point and he wasn't able to do it so they brought in uh yeah uh roy harper fascinating yeah right <laughs> but yeah that right that line which which by, well, the, by way. the way which one's pink <laughs> yeah that's that's pretty uh. pretty synonymous with uh uh the pink floyd lore i guess you know For i sure. mean i, I did, did that happen you know it's <laughs> 
I wouldn't I, be surprised. Have you, you seen know? like all? Uh, I've seen several documentaries. I think I've seen probably all the Pink Floyd documentaries out there. Not super recently, but within yeah. the last within the last two or three years. But there's a lot of great documentaries out there over the band and over the individual albums, um, and the of over the band breaking up and mm-hmm. just tons of good stuff. And the, the Live Aid concert is great. Right. Yeah, that was in. 2005 i think that was like the last time there's some great of the last and and i don't know if he's on tour right now but uh the roger waters shows there's some great video of those he did he put on such an incredible show um okay single number three okay so next up i think we have uh see emily play i think would be um the the next one which uh like like I mentioned earlier, talking about how few people are kind of aware that, you know, there was this earlier phase of Pink Floyd where they're this psychedelic band, right? And uh, uh, is is it right? It w- I mean, it wasn't until like I was like a teenager or whatever that uh, there was in 2001, there was a uh, like a greatest hits type thing that came out. It was called Echoes, Best Pink Floyd. Oh, right? I love that song. You know? and, I love that. The groove, the bass. And yeah. Yeah. Uh, like like there was like a it was like a best of and and they had like they had this song on there and they had like arnold lane on there and they had uh like a couple other tracks off of like piper and and i was like man i didn't even know about this side of the band you know i was like 15 16 years old at the time and uh i don't know it just just really really opened up a, a lot of uh a lot of things you know i bet, like, I bet they musically. have a, do they have a lot of singles like the early Floyd? Yeah. Uh, okay. Well, well with Barrett, yeah. they only had three. But, I mean, they did have other singles. I mean, if you want to run, like, all the way up to, like, Dark Side, of course. No, and, I was I was just looking usually, because Floyd has so much discography. Like, I have, like, yeah. a, a, a premium Spotify through the gym I'm looking at for discography. But Hey, it, there's it, David. Yeah, David Gilmore. David's in this video? Yeah, well, he's playing the, uh, the uh, white... He's playing a white Telecaster, which I believe actually belonged to Sid Barrett. Yeah. Uh, I've kind of, I've always, isn't it weird to want certain color guitars? Yeah. It's not just a certain kind, a certain color. Yeah. Because I, I would love a white, I would love that sort of seafoam green surf what is that called that color uh, I always surf, surf surf green surf green, surf green. you know mm-hmm. i i would love a yellow guitar too i did this with the geese at the gym i have a purple martial yeah. arts uniform i wear right now and a red one i i just like how they're out there with these these instruments and stuff and it's like man i wouldn't be doing that with my guitars you know? <laughs> for real <laughs> yeah like uh it's like roger waters is playing or he's playing around with a rickenbacker bass and it's like ah no man that's that's like several thousand dollars you know it's it's like i wouldn't lay it on the ground like that i'm just i'm just saying i'm just saying you know i mean if if you're ultra cool rock star or whatever i guess you know you can but i wonder if david gilmore enjoys doing that (laughs) (laughs) well the new guy yeah and, and and sid barrett's not in this video right i mean oh, by, by, so by that point i guess you know he even though he's he wrote see emily play and he plays on it and he sings it and all that yeah he's he's not there which is so is, many ways is interesting that's extremely interesting so um 
the B side, I want to say to, um, oh, hey, <laughs> now, now we're to like later fl- autoplay, man. Yeah, I love yeah, it. It's I mean, a great feature, cool. but that, like, I, I, that's why I love just sitting here listening to music yeah, and yeah, I, I think, I think the B side to see Emily play, which was done for like a concert. I mean, it was like a single made for a concert, like an advertisement type thing was this was the scarecrow which is off of uh um piper at the gates of dawn that was the b-side of that and that's a good song i mean it's uh one we'll probably mention when we talk about piper with uh with jeremy yeah yeah for sure and uh i think i think kind of what's interesting uh about like songs like it right is is where it's it's they're, they're kind of like warped weird fairy tales in a way or or they're like storybook type things yeah. and the scarecrow is a perfect example of that um so, so are you planning on going to the comic con yeah. yeah yeah we should do we should i'll shoot a message out and maybe like a, a month from now or something or sometime next month we should schedule maybe that that mcu phase one discussion <laughs> yeah yeah right I, yeah but i think it would be super cool to um podcast or do like a mini documentary like film at the event or something at the comic-con yeah right yeah i'm down with that yeah that's good that'd be cool i i i want to do more like documentary style stuff other than just a straight podcast yeah i have with the gym page yeah dude that's such a cool guitar man i love telecast do Do you have a telly not anymore and, and, I, and I, dude, I, you I, look I hate sad when you said it. that. You dude, look I down. I love Telecasters. They're so good. Like, have you played my Telly in there? It's no, just a Squire, no. but the pickups in it are, are unique. Yeah, I'll it's have to setup. try it. But man, I love Telecasters. Like, I mean, you played the Strat Stratocaster I have, and I love that guitar, man. That is Beautiful a great color. guitar. But there's just, I don't know, man. There's just something about a Telecaster to me that's just. It's like, so even though it's like technically a plank with some strings on it you know it's still like man there's something magic about it it's um, it's an interesting uh the, it's fascinating all like the gibsons with the the set neck solid body like the strats a bolt-in neck but you've got the hole through the back right right but Atelier's like you said it's just a solid slab of wood but it's got the bolt-on neck so like the different combinations of things right. like that Okay, so that was uh, um, Scarecrow, which was uh, on Piper at the Gates of Dawn, and hey, David had already taken over the band. Yeah, right. Well, I mean, you have Sid, right, singing the studio tracks, but you have David Gilmore, uh, yeah. like, doing the, uh, like, miming the lyrics and stuff in the videos. I saw that. And, you know, I mean, that's that's kind of kind of weird, but... Um, yeah. I believe this is the song that Nick Mason and them were opening with. Uh, at least a good the, one. the one yeah. they opened with in the concert that I saw because they had like a whole concert yeah. on YouTube at the yeah. time which uh, I never even thought about the pronunciation you know I, I was thinking about that today <laughs> uh, man I, I approach so many weird words teaching now yeah I had to look them up let's see let's see who's in this video if it's if it's yeah there's there's David again looking extra young David yeah and their clothes were just outrageous, man. <laughs> it's just <laughs> like, yeah, 
Pink Floyd got a lot harder looking <laughs> in the years. Yeah, to definitely come. like they're you know like like they're working musicians, like they're they're turning around in a van or whatever like that. You know, at this point, it's like man, I need to do something Floyd related in the new studio, man, like a mural or something. Yeah. Man, my goal is to be able to do some pretty high quality um, recording instrument instrumentals or or whatever. I'm getting. I don't know how fast I will get it, but right. I missed an opportunity to buy a mixer board, and I even got the go ahead from Cora. But it's the Behringer. Uh, it's got the X32, and it's a, okay. It's got the built-in audio interface as well. Yeah. So for what I'm wanting to do with like tiny desk concerts and stuff, that's right. what, that's what I need. Um, but the the quality tra- tracks I could put out, it's got onboard storage as well. Yeah, go for it. Yeah, no, I'm absolutely. gonna. I mean, I'm gonna get it right. I just um, we're about to drop like forty thousand dollars. <laughs> All right, you know. So I mean, <laughs> make it count. <laughs> well, a lot of that is equity that we got from the sale of our our building, right? You know, so it's not like in, but also a lot of that is for a new heating and cooling unit. So, yeah. What are they doing? <laughs> to, uh, like, the cool thing to me about like the Barrett era stuff is that it is poppy, it is catchy, it. It, it does have like almost like I, I like the storybook type thing to it, but a lot of it is dark, man. Yeah, you know, it's like yes. really dark, and so it's it's kind of like that Grimm's fairy tale type I, thing. I've seen some of their, I guess, some of their live performances from this era. Like I want to say, well, I, I may not have been a live performance, but it's like what's well, the one where you see like the the silhouette of Sid a lot? Yeah, right. Yeah. They do some real interesting things with shadows. Yeah. yeah. They're very creative. Like this effect on this video is kind of like lava lampy. Right. You know, kind of. Yeah. Like, right. I'm, I'm curious, like how much input the like Barrett had like in their sort of like live performance stuff. Like, I mean, like in, in terms of like lighting and stuff, because I mean, he was an artist. You know, I mean, that yeah. before, you know, he, he was doing the musician thing or whatever, you know, he was doing paintings and stuff like that. So I'm curious, you know, the artistic eye, sort of like the creative genius, right. man. you know, but yeah, this is, this is such a good song. Like for, and, and for this is the opening, first song right, on the, the Piper, first album, right? Yeah. right? Yep. Off. It's Piper at the Gates of Dawn, then Saucer Full of Secrets. Right, yeah, those guess. are those are the the two that that Barrett appear on, and we'll right. try and knock both those out with Jeremy. And yeah, one, one yeah, we cast. will because I mean I know he's going to have like an interesting take on all this. I mean he always does. I need to do get talk Jeremy into yeah. doing like a Tool album review. Yeah. He's a. Do you like Tool very much? I'm okay with Tool. Like like to to me their best album was like Lateralis. I listened and, I was listening to Lateralis today just the title track on my yeah, way to work. I, but, I put it on. I mean me like pumped. like I like progressive rock to begin with and um so it's just like um I don't know to me like and Lateralis to me like like as far as production goes I feel is like wonderful. Like the earlier tool stuff is kind of uh, grimy like right for you sure. know but it's like that was like crystal clear kind of like man i could like dive into this stuff you know 
I um, recently listened to Maynard's book, uh, a contrary, uh, a perfect union of contrary things. That's what it's called. Uh, but man, it it goes real into detail on his whole life. Yeah, and all three of the bands. It was amazing, but honestly, it made me look at all of his work differently too. Cause, and like almost like so much more of his stuff than I thought is about his mom. Right. Right. Because uh, she had like a brain aneurysm, and he had to like move him with his dad and stuff. It's 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 wild. Yeah. Which I knew that, but I didn't know to the extent of of what went on with that. Right. Yeah. Okay. So uh, we just uh, I think the next single is uh, called Apples and Oranges. And it was the last uh, official like release single under uh, Sid Barrett's yeah, kind here of. Yeah, he is in the video. Right, which which I don't think Sid appears in this one either. The Pink Floyd. Oh, okay. No, this is this is the live. This is this is uh, Dick Clark. Right. This is you like, want to watch this? Or oh. you want me to? I, I, that's just the first. Well, one. Well, no, no. I mean, I mean, because because Barrett appears in this one. I, I think it's like a see. There he is, right there, and with uh, the Telecaster, which I believe we saw uh, David Gilmore with earlier, but. Even then, he's supposed to be strung out at this point. So, in the mainstream theory, it said he took too much acid. Yeah, for that too he long. Fried or, his brain on LSD. That's what is that that he just just took too much or whatever, and he never came back. Like allegedly during this time period, he had like just a blank vacant stare, and but like yeah, he was supposed to like not be be there. I mean. Uh, there's there's a performance that he did or that that Pink Floyd did with with Bar- Sid Barrett on I want to say it was Pat Boone show which I don't think is on YouTube but allegedly where he just uh, where they had a similar performance to what we see here with Dick Clark where where you, they're lip syncing right to to the to the single to the track. And that Barrett just didn't lip sync to it. That he just stared blankly at the camera the entire that, yeah. time. Yeah. What well, have I heard David Gilmore uh, tell a story? Maybe, maybe. So David Gilmore played live with Sid Barrett, yes. right? Yeah. Apparently, like. And you mentioned this too, I think. Like Sid Barrett just played the same note over and over right, and yeah, over. Yeah. But he would do weird stuff like that at different live performances. And David Gilmer's like, I would just turn my back and yeah. feel so embarrassed. Yeah, well, it, it, it reached the point where uh, they were uh, turning off like the audio to Sid and just kind of just letting him wander around stage. So like you couldn't hear him like whatever he was doing on guitar. And that's why you had david gilmore there to kind of cover that up you know but yeah that, that he would just like wander kind of aimlessly around stage <laughs> i mean i wonder what makes david gilmore so unique he's such a good guitar player man. Yeah. like uh, and he just it's like he just came out of nowhere yeah happened into this band that this guy was going yeah. crazy at, at the same time now uh, i mean there you go right there just look at that <laughs> that's <laughs> <laughs> that's uh yeah uh, poor Sid man but it's just like even though he's like sort of competently trying to like like yeah kind of mime along to it it's just like yeah there's probably something going on with this guy you know there's mm-hmm. there's there's definitely some other 
otherness or something. It's he's off. But yeah, it's just it's just unfortunate. But yeah, what? Look at that dead stare. Yeah, I know. Man. I know. It's just yeah, it's sad. It's apparent. Yeah, and then I think he. I think yeah, this is like an interview. Yeah, just let Roger do the talking, right? <laughs> oh my gosh, he's they're they're so young, man. <laughs> and that's great that he sounds like identical. Wow. <laughs> okay, so we're listening to this. Uh, is, who is this? Is this is Dick Clark? Okay, Dick Clark. Yeah. Uh, and they're, we're just sitting here in silence listening to this weird interview. Yeah. Well, okay. What is an interesting which, way to interview people? Which I mean, pretty much. I mean, uh, you saw, uh, you saw Dick Clark talk to uh, Roger Waters, and uh, um, this is the video I was talking okay. about. Actually, this uh, this isn't live, but this is freaking weird. <laughs> right what is what album is this now this this would be i think piper i think this is piper at the gates of dawn this is uh <laughs> yeah yeah this oh, this is a wow. uh, uh pow pow r is it is it touch pow r or t-o-c and then a space capital h yeah see i didn't know if it's supposed to be like power touch or power i always went what is it you know but yeah, that's off Piper at the Gates of Dawn, and yeah, that was uh, that was different. That's definitely different, you know. There's yeah, fascinating, right? But um, let's see, the B side to uh, Apples and Oranges was Paint Box, which is a Richard Wright composition. So pa you, Paint Box, yeah, Paint Box, which uh, at this point, right, you have uh, uh the reins are being kind of like, like the control is no longer with Sid, right? Yes. You know, you got other voices stepping in at this point. So you get Richard Wright, who I, I, I think he's a very good songwriter. Is, is that Sid's guitar again? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We keep, we keep seeing it. I, I, I feel maybe that's what all David had at that point. He didn't have, I know he had a white Stratocaster at some point early on, and I think it got stolen is what happened. And, Eventually, he ends up, of course, with like the Black Strat. And, but this, it's it, it it lacks the I want to say it lacks the dark whimsy of 
like the Sid Barrett stuff. I mean, it's 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 a good composition. It's just to me, it's it's more light. You know, it's more soft. It's it's not yeah. as abrasive at times as some of the. How many songs did he sing for the band? Very many. But who? Richard Wright. Uh, you know, I. Well, I would say several. Yeah, of course. I mean, uh, think. I mean, these early singles like this. He, I mean, he had a few. I, he did several songs on "Saucer Full of Secrets." Um. I think I like the vocals on like uh, us and them, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, this it, this does have a a softer feel to it, right? It's it's definitely or yeah, it it, it some of some of the, the Barrett stuff feels drums right there, yeah. So some of the uh, the Barrett stuff feels like kind of uneasy and even kind of threatening, you know, at times. And, and but this is like opposite of that. This is like kind of feel good, like like hey, I'm just chilling it type is a, thing. A you know? I hope David doesn't fall off. Yeah, <laughs> he's he's making me nervous back there. He's standing on a high ledge. It's like a bridge. I guess they're they're playing on a bridge. Yeah. I feel like they just shot all these videos like at once. You know? I know, it's right? Like, <laughs> I should just start out, doing. Well. I should start doing my podcast in black and white. I wouldn't have to do lighting. See, that's another reason I want to get a new table. Is yeah. I'm going to get something that's non-reflective. This table's reflective, and it makes working puzzles hard. Okay, okay. yeah. Core is not happy about it. I I used to rag on Nick Mason a lot, but. And he's great, you know. I, I used to be a man. You know, how does you know how must it feel to be like the least talented member of Pink Floyd? You know, it's like, you know, but it's like no, man. Like, like I've heard him in interviews and stuff, and he's a real cool guy. You yeah, know? He's yeah. Just, so, do you think we will ever see Pink Floyd uh, again? Oh, like without like some, you know, without Richard Wright, of course, but uh, the three <sighs> remaining members that are alive. I don't think so. There's been some chatter about it. Like David Gilmore in a recent interview said some things that like alluded to the possibility. Yeah. I, I think they should just kind of just, I think they should just let it be, man. You know? Yeah. I mean, if you think about it, you know, the live aid thing or whatever, they got the yeah. the core four back together or whatever. And it's I'd like, love to see David Gilmore play. Yeah. I would go see him play. Somewhere. Yeah. I would, I would even fly. The furthest I've been, I've been to D.C. for a concert, and I've been to Vegas for a concert. Yeah. Like, uh, um, hey, we're back we're to Candy in a Current Bone here. <laughs> but, like, um, uh, well, I, what, what guitars is, is David Gilmore using now since he sold them all at auction, you know? Oh, man. I know, right? He's probably probably onto some some new thing i wonder how that works with like somebody like david gilmer does he age out and just like stop developing with the music technology that's out there right now yeah or does i mean you know like i've gone through that with uh many things like i'm going through it with like just my approach to history right now Mm -hmm. I'm going through it with like my jujitsu. I'm like changing all these things up to evolve, right? Right. Nobody likes changing shit up, especially when you're David Gilmore. Imagine like 
dude, you don't really have to change very much. Yeah. He just comes up with great stuff. But at, at some point, it, are you just always going to play the black on black Stratocaster? Or? Yeah. I don't know. I, yeah. I, 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 right. I don't know if, it, well, if, you know, if, if you're millionaire rock star or whatever, do you, do, do you just like constantly have the gear acquisition syndrome, the gas or whatever, where you're constantly like, man, I want that guitar or whatever, you know, or know, that piece right. of equipment or whatever. Oh, that looks cool. Yeah, you know, there is some sort of weird liberation and knowing you could buy it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You could just walk into a shop and be like, ah, uh, yeah, I'll take that one up there. You know, man, I consider going to little rock this weekend and I was going to go to guitar center if I did <laughs> just cause we were talking about it. Yeah. Uh, there's, a, there's some martial arts seminars that, uh, that I could attend uh one of my coaches is having and uh i considered doing that and going to the record store what's the record what is that one called uh in little rock it's uh it's got some catchy name i have you been to no no the record buying that i did was usually uh in northwest arkansas that's block street records which is pretty cool they have two Uh, locations one in fayetteville and i think one in bentonville been around been around records huh yeah I don't know, because last time I was at a record a record store in Little Rock, it was this place where they just had copious amounts of vinyl just stacked on top of each other. It was amazing. I mean, it was it was incredible. Oh, is it this right here, probably? Uh, yeah, that may have been it. That may have been exactly... I mean, that was like 2012. That was like the last time I was there. But like, it's like, man, you know, there's so much vinyl here. And yeah. It's like, man, I don't even know, you know, where to... You know, is this even alphabetized or, you know, anything like that? It's That's kind like, of the cool part about it that everybody talks about, too, digging through the vinyl, yeah. like the process. It's kind of like yard sailing. Yeah. You know, like, what do we yeah. got here? We take a look around. <laughs> right. Yeah. So, yeah, like, before, like, we had, like, vinyl record stores kind of in the area or whatnot. The only place I knew to buy vinyl was a shop up in Fayetteville that was called Clunk Records. This was like back in the early 2000s. But like other than that, it's like, yeah, maybe you would go to like somebody's yard sale. But it's like all you yeah. would find vinyl wise is like a bunch of old country records or something like that. You know? Yeah, like, I know. Well, this appeals to somebody, but not to me. I did. Know? Somebody gave me a bunch. Uh, it was Corey's grandpa, actually. And I, I laminated them into the top of my record player there. Cool. Yeah. Oh, I see that. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's nice. That's, yeah. It's very nice. <laughs> Man, I'm looking forward to the larger studio space because uh, it, things will be way less cramped and they'll right. be like, uh, I think I'm be able to even fit a couch in there comfortably. Cool. It's a wide, long room. Yeah. So uh, wider than this room and I would say double the length at least of this room. Right. So it's going to be nice and spread out. That's, yeah. yeah I look forward to it. You yeah. Know? Yeah, that's gonna be legit, man. I'm, I'm excited. It's closer to my house, right? It's also closer to the interstate. If I'm getting off work, yeah, and I want to do a podcast like right as I'm getting off work. Well, I feel like we're gonna need comfortable surroundings for the 1968 series, anyway. Yes, yeah, so I'm gonna, gonna get more history. Huge. Uh, so. I have a whole list of like historical images I'm trying to implement into yeah. the studio in some way, like. Um, 
Like the image of the execution from Tet, the Black Power image yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, at the Olympics, right. uh, the uh, self-immolation of the Buddhist monk, uh, Napalm Girl. Yeah. Like just a whole bunch of images. Like you just get like a collage of black and white images or something. And, you know, there's just like certain images in history that are just like they, they bore a hole in your brain, yeah, man. Yeah, they stick. Right. And... Uh, like Jordan Peterson talks about this. I don't know if you have followed him very much, but it's like, how I, it's like a reminder, right? Mm -hmm. It's like you put it up. So you like, that's like one of the things that I grapple with a lot is like atrocities, man. Right. Like I was explaining human, this, uh, these Aztecs sacrificed 84,000 people. Yeah. In four days. Yeah. With obsidian blades what is that like what do you have to be on like that's what that's what like literally like i said this in class like what do you have to be on right to do that to people yeah because uh the theory like uh, graham hancock and others go into this he's not the most reputable historian <laughs> right and okay. not really he's a writer and a journalist but um there's a lot of people who talk about this that they that their priesthood was on some like a either a, a mushroom Mm -hmm. or uh, some sort of like a, a peyote a flower sage type drug. And they had done it to the point of like absolute paranoia of like, Hey, let's, we gotta, we gotta, we're talking to the war God and we gotta do this. Yeah. But I mean, just like what, like we're like, we talk about like organizing c cities and social structures and stuff. And it's like, yeah. And in that organization, let's organize the killing of 84,000 people. Like, what encourages or spurs that? That's mind-blowing yeah, to me. Or yeah. what encourages all the stuff from the Vietnam War? I recently did Quiet American over the mm -hmm. last few days, Fifty set in 55, released in 55, yeah. too. And Dispatches, that one I was telling you about. It's mm -hmm. 67, 68, Quezon, this guy's at Quezon. But it's fascinating. Right. Yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of good images from that era, though. Yes, yes, there is. Which uh, I, I think about, like the psychedelic stuff, you know, kind of ties into all this too. So that's kind of kind of cool, right? Yeah, the, just the you know the counterculture movement or the you know whether or not the that uh, the psychedelic the connection of like psychedelic drugs to the counterculture movement and the introduction of new. Uh, yeah sort of ideas into the collective consciousness yeah that's that's an interesting thing i've heard people talk about quite a bit right yeah or, but i i think it's interesting that right this pink floyd stuff ties into that yeah psychedelic uh like uh yeah sort of timothy leary type stuff and here you have sid barrett casualty right alleged alleged casualty yeah. of of you know this uh, expanding your consciousness or whatever. You know, okay, so I have a theory on that. Um, about, so he's like 19, 20 years old. Yes. Like, what if, let's say, let's say that psychedelic drugs do expand your consciousness. That's what everybody says, right? Yeah. That's the mainstream. Alleged, yeah. Allegedly. That's like the, yeah. well, the stereotype, whatever. So if they do, but you're like stuck in a, 19 20 year old body but you expand your consciousness to a point uh of like a you know an aged adult metaphor you know just like can compare you know kind of then 
can you like outgrow you know what i'm saying like you're not ready like you're literally ahead of your time consciously so you can't deal with your day-to-day yeah sort of task and stuff i don't know that's kind of a, <laughs> a weird metaphor but it's just like i think there's a balance to that like how like the usage of those things and like how old you are and then also the the I talked to a physics professor the other day, Dr. Nandi Vada, and she's like, no, your brain never stops developing, hmm. right? Right. Because I was like, hey, you know, and she was really like talking about lifelong learning, mm-hmm. you know, but, but I was like, but I, I get that too because you can always do things to improve the health of your brain. That's like why I was taking some of the, the, the mushroom supplements mm-hmm. from the host defense, Paul Stamets. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it's uh, that you can form new neural pathways. You can... You can make better connections. You can you can work on things to make your memory sharp. Right. But maybe maybe mental illness is the marker. Like maybe like you were saying, I can't remember if we were recording. Sid Barrett might have had some mental illness and just never been able to come back from yeah, it. Yeah. Well, I mean, right. The the three like three prominent theories, of course, are right that he either burn his brain out on LSD. Must have been some of that CIA or, LSD. Yeah, yeah, the MK Ultra <laughs> stuff. Yeah, that, right. But um, are that uh, what I've heard from interviews with David Gilmore, who claimed that Sid Barrett was pretty much headed on this path anyway, drugs or not. You know, I mean, drugs did contribute somewhat, you know, but that that he was already not coping with fame or um, with with that. Uh, with, with being in a rock band, right? I, I probably couldn't cope and, with it, man. Honestly, and, and having uh, to meet or, or to to write hit singles and and hit songs and and things like that. Or the third one that I've heard is that he was possibly autistic and on the spectrum at some somewhere, and that uh, sort of uh, led to the odd, considered odd behavior. You know, it's considered right. I, I should know, I should know more about this, but when when did we first start having? I mean, have there always been autistic people, or is this a recent? Right. See, I forget. like uh, I want to say it's it's one of those things where it's been around, but it's like not been properly diagnosed, talked about, or yeah, talked yeah, about, recognized right? for what recognized, it is. Recognized, yeah. yeah. But, right. That 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 uh, that Sid Barrett wasn't technically insane or anything like that. He was just different. You know, just, just wired differently. Isn't it as, crazy people that are so creative usually struggle the most? Yeah. Right? right. Like uh, fitting into uh, this sort of rat race we got going on here. Yeah. Right. <laughs> it is. It's a rat race, man. It's weird. It's super weird. Yeah. Like all the things you have to do, all the taxes. Like the amount of taxes I have to pay, like, oh, man, like it makes no sense. Right. Over thirty percent of the gross income that my business generates goes away. Yeah, that's a lot. Yeah, yeah, like, that is over. If I'm not mistaken, over thirty five percent. Jeez. Yeah, because we generate a, a lot of revenue, but we also, you know, we, we there's mortgage, utilities, payroll, dude, payroll tax. Mm-hmm. That's where they get you. They get you everywhere. Yeah. Plus, there's property taxes. It's weird. Yeah. Yeah. Do are you um are you renting? No, no. We we uh, bought our house. So. Yeah. Yeah. How long have you, how long have you lived there? 
uh, five years now. Yeah, we've been there. We we bought the house in October of 2014, so we've been there five years. Yeah. Uh, is Terry's family from Paris or? Uh, no, they're they're in Dardanelle. Yeah. Okay. They're, they're so from, kind of the midpoint. Yeah. Between here and there. Yeah. Right? That's, well, not uh, quite. Well, that's kind of how that that worked, right? Because she she works at, at in Boonville. She works at the oh, school there. Yeah. Yeah. What she and then what I work in Russell teach? She teaches uh, just elementary just like i want to say it's like first to like fourth or fifth grades yeah yeah i almost taught high school and then i was like mm. yeah no <laughs> it worked out i suppose man yeah. it, it, you know it's great when i'm teaching at the college any other time is not cool right i mean I, during the semester like well even today i had to turn in a whole bunch of stuff and i'm just like yeah i don't know I just want to teach the classes, man. <laughs> that's it. Like, yeah. Okay. Look, the, the oversight, like is so that's a rough transition from being an entrepreneur to for five years. I, I, I stopped working at the university. I only worked at my own business. And then like, now I have like oversight, like, Hey, are you in your office? And you keeping those office hours? Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, I'm here. Jeez. I'm here like 11 hours more than they are at UCA a week. Yeah, <laughs> like it's a it's a hard it's a hard time on on the awareness. So I can say I feel like I can say this on this podcast because none of my coworkers will listen to a, okay. like, a podcast uh, about Pink Floyd singles. Yeah, yeah, it's it's kind of like <laughs> you kind of Trojan horse this. Yeah, way, right. Yeah, right. It's, it's it's like yeah, mm-hmm. nobody will will suspect you know that that you're <laughs> yeah. putting this content in here. Yeah, man, I don't mind being in my office, but there's going to come a time where I don't. I just use it for other things because, like, man, I really have the courses I teach. Really, I'm tightening a lot of screws on like the first unit this yeah. semester, but then it's just going to be a lot of minor tweaks as I go along. I feel like I've got a, a a good handle on each of the courses I'm teaching right now. I need to. I, I haven't taught US two yet. Okay. Yeah. I'm excited about that. <laughs> well, what what is it? Okay, what is what does that entail exactly? Reconstruction to present. Okay, or so to two thousand one depends. Yeah, right. I mean, that's that's where I usually see the cutoff at. It's like uh, we in one of my grad courses had to read a book, which we we had to read. A, gosh, I think it was called. I want to say it was called Restless Giant by James Patterson, but it was like from seventy four to like two thousand one. And Patterson like intentionally cut it off like right after the presidential election in 2000, which was uh, George W. Bush versus Al Gore and that whole fiasco over the voting I remember thing. that. I was young. I was like uh, 14 years old. Right. But and, I and, and that even though the book was like published uh, probably 10 years ago or something like that. He, he he said that he felt that he didn't want to tackle any of the 2001, like specifically the September 11th, 2001 war on terror stuff, because mm. he felt that not enough time had passed in order to be able to sort of retrospectively analyze what happened. Yeah. That, that we're still too close to these events to be able to like sort of gauge them. I agree. I agree with that. Uh, the same thing on the Iraq war, the same thing Mm -hmm. on Afghanistan. I think that 
I mean, what we're doing in the Middle East in our lifetime will, will be viewed in 50 years like you and I view Vietnam right now. Yeah, yeah. Right. It, but more. Right. I think more complex. That's just my theory because it's it's now officially lasted for we've been in that theater right, for long. Right, right, right. Uh, um, I mean, if yeah, right. Well, we've we've been there for yeah, for for. I mean, like, I mean, recently, right? We've got all this stuff going on with Iran, right? This this whole fiasco. But I mean that that dates back to like the fifties, man. Yeah, you know? yeah. It the really CIA, does. Uh, right, came in there and installed their own some democracy. Yeah, puppet yeah. government in in terms of the Shah and that leads later to the Ayatollah Khomeini and you know this anti-American resentment and and uh, all that yeah I think it's called blowback I think that's what the the term is for that yeah yeah it's um they drone struck that dude Soleimani yeah killed him while he was driving in a drone yeah or, or what with a drone rather yeah that's wild um just popping people with a remote control helicopter. Yeah, yeah, that's the future. While they're <laughs> driving, here. that's the, that's wild. But I just like like back to sort of this idea of you know when when should we cut off history or whatnot. The interesting thing I think about the September eleventh two thousand one deal is that, like I said, Patterson in this book is like, well, I don't think enough time has passed where we can gauge it. But it's even like now. I mean, you think about it, that was like that was almost twenty years ago. You know mm-hmm. that that happened, and it's like is it time or do we just keep putting it off? Cause we don't want to deal with it. You know, we don't, is, is there, is there like a stigma that's attached to Jeff, it? You know what Jeff Wood said is that he thinks, cause we were kind of discussing whether or not the access to the information that we have access to at the speed that we have access to it, like listening to audiobooks or Googling things mm-hmm. or just like the, the vast array of ways we can access information and resources yeah. could help us arrive at faster interpretations of recent events. So like the 45 to present era, we can derive uh, faster interpretations than any time previously since the invention of the printing press. Right. Right. But other people argue the opposite, that it muddles it. Yeah. Right. And I don't I don't know. I think the answer is probably both in that you have to revert back to research techniques and methods, being unbiased, having, right. but having an open mind. And yeah, you have to have a skill set. Uh, yeah. If you. Yeah. And even as a trained researcher, it's so easy to fall into traps. Yes. Right. Absolutely. Share a fake robot video, you know, <laughs> on your podcast page. And Josh Wilson calls you out about it. Did did this happen? I mean, it I, did. It did. It has happened. Yeah. I'm fake, like, oh, fake. that's sick. Share. It's like, that's fake. Fake robot, huh? Yeah. There's like something where like a robot got knocked down and like rolled over and like fired rounds. Oh, okay. Out of the gun. Everybody was like, Skynet, it's here. Oh, okay, right. Yeah, on. but it was yeah. uh, apparently like, or in like one, like you pushed it and it like corrected its balance and didn't fall over. Yeah. But there is some fascinating technology. Um, like, I there's a lightsaber laser thing in that silver case right yeah. there. And you can like light the tip of a match immediately with it. Wow. If I have that, <laughs> like, what's the CIA got? Yeah. Yeah. Well, well, Brian, this is all uh, reverse engineered extraterrestrial technology. We're in a petri dish, man. Yeah. A zoo. <laughs> yeah. 
for extraterrestrial visitors. Yeah. Which thanks internet, you know, for running rampant theories like that out there. You know, that's, what do you think about the whole nine 11 truther movement? Have you done much research into that? I I've done. Yeah. A little, little, a little bit. I mean, with the background of the Kennedy assassination stuff, you mentioned that during your thesis. You know, is is that is uh, but is that I don't really put much stock even into September 11th conspiracy theories because some of them are just so outrageous. I mean, they're pretty outlandish, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, what do you think about the one with the Pentagon not uh, the the plane not hitting the see, Pentagon? I want to say that that was like one of the earliest like theories that came out of that. And I've actually thought about like, cause it's like, well, I wrote about the Kennedy assassination and conspiracy theories, you know, well maybe I should write about September 11th because it's like, you know, cause that's the big conspiracy of yeah. our time, right. Yeah, yeah, or the big event sure. of our time. Right. Uh, it's like the Kennedy assassination to us. We remember exactly where we were when we heard it, even though I've, I've heard studies that claim that people misremember where they were or specific. I've heard this about the Kennedy assassination. That's why eyewitness uh, testimonies are not. Yeah. Is, is, is that, oh yeah. Credible. Well, you know, I remember this and, and maybe in your mind, you know, you do, but it's like, well, okay, no, that didn't happen or whatever. It didn't happen the way that you, you thought it did. But the September 11th conspiracy theories, I think people of course have the right to question and, you know, ask and, and, uh, demand answers for things but i do think a lot of it is outrageous but yeah one of the earliest theories was right that the pentagon was hit by a missile right it wasn't supposed to be like a plane or whatever it was supposed to be a like what like a a, a bomb inside of it i've heard i've heard the a conspiracy that uh the stu- the part of it that blew up was where they were like the day before there had been this broadcast aired that was like well, there's like a trillion dollars missing from this yeah. account, and then they blew up that part. Yeah. Um, that like, if a plane hit it, then why didn't any cameras capture yeah. it? Yeah. Um, and then what's the t- Tower Seven? That's a big one. People, like right? To yeah, that's to. that's like the one that often people go back to. It's kind of it, it is, is it thought is provoking. The, it is like the grassy knoll. Of, yeah. of the, <laughs> yes. Of the nine nine eleven truther thing, right? It's yeah. like here's dude, here's the grassy knoll for me. The one thing that I'm like like that I've that I heard that I remember hearing in junior high. Okay. And I was like but it it's all like a context thing. Like looking back, I remember hearing it in junior high, but looking back on it now and like how it made me feel and stuff. Plane crashes into the tower. Okay. Tower crumbles in on itself and incinerates to a point that the jet fuel melts the poles. And if you, you know, you go with the whole accepted theory and everything, but we found his passports. Yeah. Yeah, so, okay, so this is something you just can't get your, you know. I can't get my mind around that. Okay. Well, I'm just saying probably stranger things have happened at some point, you know. Possibly. And, and, I mean, also you have to think that these planes were traveling at, what, four or 500 miles per hour or something like that when they impacted the tower. So there's going to be debris that gets thrown. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. So it's possible that it may have escaped, right? I would like to look more into that one. right. Right. I, mean, I don't I'm, know I'm anything just, about it other than that's the one that I've heard people bring up right. and I mean, that right. stuck not, out to me. I'm not like, right. I'm not like 
belittling anybody for saying, you know, hey, well, that's suspicious because it's like, okay, yeah, well, that is odd, right? I mean, are, but probably stranger things have happened, and and I I I don't know. I, I just I just think that that um, uh, I mean, of course, there are wilder theories out there, you know. Yeah. But right, that that this was planted or whatever, uh, you know. I think that it would be much easier, and this is weird that we've gone off on this tangent, right? And talking about Pink Floyd to this, right? That that it, if you you do the Occam's Razor thing, right? It's it's it makes so much more sense instead of having a convoluted conspiracy theory, just to have nineteen hijackers fly some planes into some buildings, you know, and there you go. Instead of where you get into the weird stuff where you got the like specifics. the voice morphing technology on the cell phones and stuff like that. And yeah. it's like, ah, okay. You know, that's the, yeah, if you get, you want to get into the logistics of it, it would be, it, it's, it's, it's a lot more, it's a lot easier, right. For it just to be this fluke event. And it's, it's, it's the same parallel to the Kennedy assassination here, right. Where it's, it's, it's easier if you have one guy, responsible for this i mean yeah. i mean it just it works out better it makes sense more than this complex plot where you have uh even you know people claiming that uh the planes were holograms around missiles and stuff like that, that they were it's, drones yes yeah, i've heard you know, that or you know that and it's like but you had thousands of people witness this on the ground you had people on live tv see this stuff you know and it's like on you know it's yeah. i mean like i said i think it's good that we question and i i think we should demand answers and you know if we do have problems then then yeah we, sh- we should ask but i think that there's a point where uh sometimes you just well you know i stretch c- you know it it, it it just becomes too much this whole this whole war in the the middle east whether you go back to desert storm mm-hmm. or going back into Iraq with Saddam or going into Afghanistan and, and with the bin Laden, the Taliban, ISIS and all that. It's, uh, it's interesting. That's what sort of, uh, are the types of things it's like, we really like, I think a lot of this question is born out of the other, of like, what are we doing in the middle East? Yeah. Like we have to have an answer for that, Mm -hmm. you know? So like we, we kind of, I think, use nine eleven as the is the answer we, yeah, for, yeah, I, for a lot of this, right? I, I see this on Facebook all the time, you know, or it's or it's like, well, we got to attack Iran or whatever because they're responsible for nine eleven, and it's like, no, you know, are they? No, there's no there's no proof of that, but it's just like automatically, if unfortunately you're in that area, mm-hmm. right, you're automatically somehow involved in this stuff you know i was joking with my students today i'm like yeah we're going to be talking about you know western asia asia minor the middle east Mm -hmm. i'm going to talk about asian jesus later on in the course (laughs) because he was from asia he was an asian man and then then they're like what what i was like yeah you don't think about jesus as being an asian yeah but he is and i do and they're like Oh, okay, yeah. I'm like you see on the map here, Asia. Right. Like, but Africa's right here, and Europe's right there. Just get. They're, they're, like, but people don't think about it that way. Yeah. Like I'm like we're talking about Western Civ, and I'm like, and we're going to start off with our traditions of the West in Iraq. Right. 
and they're and i'm like you guys love your iraqi cultural heritage and they're like what do you mean like what i'm like yes this is what this course is about yeah <laughs> and they're just like mind blown by it and it's like yeah mesopotamia that's where we're at iraq i know yeah it's it's kind of weird right how it's like this uh, several at least the past two centuries of like focus right on like Western civilization yeah. has made it where it's like, okay, yeah. The, the fertile crescent, the garden of Eden. Yeah. That was totally in France. That's kind of what that is. You know, or it's like, it's European or it's like, yeah, it was in England or, you know, and it's like, no, it wasn't, you know, uh, you know, what's fascinating to me is that, and I never look super deep into, it. I would like to talk to somebody, but like people that have tried to do the research about the disbursement of the tribes yes. of Israel. Right. It'd be fascinating to know more about. I thought somebody told me that they knew a guy, and I had him on my podcast at one point uh, that did like some like his master's the thesis on it. But he just master's thesis on something else. He's like, no, that's this other guy we know. And I was like, oh, yeah, he doesn't live here. I need to get down to do like audio uh, phone Skype podcast. Man. Yeah, that's a goal because uh, I would love to. Um, to yeah, you can get more people on the phone. Yeah. Do, and do some more like specific like contents about uh like well like Woods's buddy on the Pueblo incident like this the podcast that I sent you that he's done mm-hmm. um, Mitch I believe is his name he has this they're just phone interviews with like a, a thumbnail background you know but they're they're great they're a great resource and it's like that would be good. Yes. that'd be cool to do is just have a have a leading expert that's like they're never going to come to Russellville, arkansas but to be able to still have capture the content get right. them on the phone be great yeah well to bring more people in on the 68 thing i think would be cool it would you know we could plan uh some guest episodes where you know i'm sure woods would collaborate he's yeah. been on the podcast um who are some other people? Uh, you know, MacArthur. I just talked to him last night. He was at the gym. Aaron MacArthur, mm-hmm. Public History. He's been on the podcast maybe twice, but he's going to come back on soon, and we're just going to talk about public history. Yeah. But uh, who else is from that era that I know very well? <sighs> Man. Everybody's, like, retired, moved off. Yeah. Passed away. Mm. Yeah, I still I say I've said this several times. I need to, I would love to have Doctor Bush on the podcast. Yeah, that'd be fantastic. I bet he I bet he would do it. I just need to. Re- I, I the only reason I have is because I have to like reach out to his wife about it. Like he's just like he's a ghost man. <laughs> it's like sometimes I see him out in the community, and he he talks to me. And he's like if you need if you if you ever need anything, let me know. And I'm like, I need you to come on my podcast, dude. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but I don't know if you know what a podcast is. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Well, yeah. That that guy made a huge impact on my life. Yeah. So that's, uh, I was talking to you about philosophy, I think, before we started recording. I think it'd be awesome to, to do more philosophy. I have so much content, like notebooks and folders full of notes in my office. I'm yeah. just like, <laughs> what do you do? Talk about Western civilization and Asian Jesus, apparently. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, hey, let's, okay. sh- let's uh, well, I guess let's oh. wrap up this Pink Floyd singles slash. Well, or, or uh, we could do the unreleased ones because there are bro. two. Let's do that. There are two. Yeah. Let's which, do which, that. which, 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 well, I say they're on, they're released now. They were on Pink Floyd's the early years or whatever. But uh, originally there was a planned uh, single 
when Sid Barrett was still in in the band, which was uh, I don't know if they figured out the A side or B side for it, but there were two songs, and the uh, we'll start with the first one, which is "Scream Thy Last Scream," which has uh, lead vocals actually by Nick Mason, uh, who plays drums, of course, in, in Pink Floyd, and Sid Barrett is in the in the background, in like like his vocals are sped up. And they just sound really weird. I mean, this is supposed to be like allegedly they were were unreleased because I mean, it, it, these this and Vegetable Man are considered like Barrett's deteriorating mental oh, state, man. right? So it's like it's sad, right? Is that a harmonica? I don't know, but uh, lead vocals by Nick Mason. the early years 65 through 67 yeah Sid Barrett was like 14 when he started playing with them was he not uh I think so they all yeah. started playing together yeah that's Sid singing there I think it was Barlow and I that listened when he came on but you know um who does a lot of Floyd covers like entire albums is uh Les Claypool yeah uh-huh. like he does a pretty good job too This is a weird song, Brian. It really is. <laughs> it does almost have, like, a lot of this stuff does kind of almost have that uh, Beatles-esque feel yeah, to it. Right, like, as the right. Beatles were going more experimental. Yeah. Yeah, right? it's, it's got kind of a Strawberry Fields kind of vibe to it. But it's just... It's weird, but yeah, this is a, this is a, they didn't release this and I I think it's a good song, you know, I mean, I like it, but I guess they considered it too far out at this point. And I guess they were trying to phase, unfortunately they were trying to phase Sid Barrett out at this point too, of the band. Allegedly, uh, allegedly they didn't even tell him like he was out of the band. They just didn't pick him but, up for, they, yeah, they for a band yeah. practice. They, they were just or like, like a gig. Was yeah. it a gig? Or it may have been a gig. Right? Something like but that. But yeah, it's like, hey, should we go pick up Sid? And they're just like, nah, we'll just, we'll just go. <laughs> and then, and then of course, right, he shows up like, what, like five, six years later, right at the recording sessions for Wish You Were Here without any, any hair and overweight and. It's wild, man. You know, like that back to the mental illness thing. It's like if he was suffering from one or multiple, but uh, depression, weight gain, mental illness. There's a lot of things that if you look at that guy and you look at his personality, maybe he got addicted to LSD like he got addicted to sweets. Yeah. Yeah. You just, right. Has that. Right. Yeah. I understand what. I'm getting a text from an insurance agent about commercial building insurance. Nice. It's going to be a whole lot, whole lot of that stuff going on. <laughs> Not looking forward to it so much. What is this? The last single? Well, well, this this wasn't a single. This is an unreleased track. Okay. It well, was it was meant to be a yeah, single. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Right. It was meant to be, and and then it was just like, well, 
Barrett fell apart at this point, and he was, you know, pretty much uh, they couldn't get anything else out of him. But this and, and another song, which the next one is Vegetable, Vegetable Man. Man, which is one of my, I love that song. Like, but it's 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 weird. It's warped, and it's allegedly Barrett wrote it in like fifteen twenty minutes, and it's uh, it's it's like about clothes and about like um like like it's 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 him in a way he's kind of like it's it's self-deprecating it's almost like he's commenting on himself and like the clothes like the psychedelic clothes that he wears and does it make him the person that he is and which is weird because it brings in this whole other dynamic of whether is was sid barrett like cognizant of what was happening to him at this point. And is he like peppering lyrics and stuff in there to kind of reflect like how he's feeling. Right. I could see that because there's a song at the end of saucer full of secrets. That's called jug band blues. Right. Which is like, in a way it sounds almost like Sid's writing his own exit. You know, it's weird, but vegetable man's great. Is this the? Do you have this album? I guess this is an album. I'm uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's for the early years. Yeah, it's available 65. on iTunes. It was part of a giant box set that was like. How does iTunes work now? Do you know? Didn't they change things up? No, because I used to have to submit my podcast to iTunes. Now, when I upload it to my host, it goes straight to Apple Podcasts. Yeah, so it doesn't go to iTunes anymore. It's it's kind of weird. Yeah. Yeah, but it's kind of a proto-punk kind of vibe, right? It's like a driving yeah, sure. type. But yeah, he's he, technically in the song, he's like making fun of himself. Like here, he's 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 saying like, in a way, I'm shallow. It's weird, you know. Or that I've become this image when I you know when I wear these clothes, I don't know who I am unless I have these things. That's weird. Yeah. yeah. I mean, but profound. Right. It's like, it's like um, I want to say Roger Waters is a big fan of this song, or he likes to quote the lyrics from it because he feels like, I think that it's, it's like a, a, a picture of sort of Sid Barrett's mental state, you know, that maybe he's kind of aware of what's going on. Like these lyrics. The, been looking for a place for me, but it ain't anywhere. It just ain't anywhere, you know? So it's like, ooh. <laughs> but yeah. So I guess he's the vegetable man because he wears all these colorful clothes and he's kind of getting made fun of because of it, right? Or I wonder if it's like that. I wonder if he's if the title in any way is commenting on his mental state. Right, that too. Yeah, is that right, that he's just he's blank yeah that there's nothing there's nothing going on you know have you um read one flew over a cuckoo's nest no i have not i just finished it man so highly recommended then <sighs> yeah yeah it's gonna but like it's uh, gonna take from you but yeah. it's it's worth it's a good trade yeah it's very sad yeah but like like uh, yeah, I guess what's what's interesting about like these these final 
final like Sid songs is that yeah it's kind of like is he kind of like aware of that he's like shutting down that he's like falling apart I, w- I wonder if he maybe could have had like p- multiple personality disorders yeah. like what all he had going on yeah I mean it, that's the the debate is like was he schizophrenic did he have multiple personalities did, right I mean was he like have you seen that movie Split yes was he was he like a Patricia right and yeah. and a and a Jade and all of these yeah. different personalities and like one of his personalities was the front man of Pink Floyd and the other is maybe an autistic painter yeah and, and the other's a little boy and right well I mean yeah if, if you study like yeah I mean like like the lyric stuff it's kind of like all over the place right it's like uh she's like candy in a current bun is i think about just like drugs and casual sex right but it's like uh then you get to apples and oranges and it's about hey there's this cute girl at the supermarket you know or or uh the gnome from piper at the gates of dawn which is about a gnome you know i mean it's kind of just like all over the place right yeah it's like you go from yeah like kind of adult stuff to like not adult stuff like child things and it's like well okay did maybe he wrote this when he was 14 or something yeah well that's fascinating too how sometimes we get younger adults like before they're 25 say that will come out with profound ahead of their time stuff but really they're super young and it doesn't make like they're it doesn't make a lot of sense they haven't had a ton of experiences but yet they're creating this great art and people appreciate it and consume it for what it is but that at the end of the day, it's like what experiences is a is a nineteen year old deriving from really? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That's that's true. Um, sort of a case in uh, that I can think of. See, you ever listened to any Joy Division before? Mm-mm. Joy Division. Joy Division. Right. Yeah. Uh, they were from England, uh, from like the late seventies. They were like like a punk act. Well, I mean, they were initially they're post punk. But uh, like uh, their lead singer was a guy named Ian Curtis. Uh, he hanged himself at the age of 23. But like just like deeply, like profoundly, just like dark. Almost. See, that's, yeah, there's got to be something with like IQ intelligence level, like the tortured creative genius, yeah, like the like, person who. Like we're talking like Nietzsche philosophical type existential like and i mean this is like i mean these guys were from manchester i mean they're like working class lads you know and and it's just like this elevated to this great art or whatever and uh but yeah these lyrics don't sound like they're coming from like a 20 year old you know you say a kid but uh, uh, he suffered from epilepsy and he was on medication for epilepsy which like really messed with his quality of life and uh he had bipolar allegedly and uh also a deteriorating marriage that didn't help too so it's like if you probably have all these things kind of crushing in on you yeah you know when you're you're in your early 20s or you know and yeah if you don't have the coping mechanisms or whatever somebody said something to me earlier i don't remember what it was but i was just like it was is a guy I work with that was older, and I was like, "Bro, that's not helping any of my existential issues." Yeah, like we were just talking about like this kind of stuff about like ways to grapple and deal with life, and he made some like generalization. I was like, "That's not helping any of my existentialism yeah. that I got going on yeah. right now." 
Because, man, we do. I think um, the biggest things, I think, that influence those types of things, like poverty level. Yeah. Pressure to continue putting out and performing. Yeah. Right? Like, I feel uh, I'm on the other side of going through some of that about, like, you set the bar real high and you perform and you put out and you put out and you put out and you expect at some point for it to start getting easier so you can raise the bar again, actually. That's kind of always been my strategy. But also now I'm just like, I'm really not wanting to per se raise the bar again. It's so much as like refine the current level I'm on and actually loop back and get better at things that I avoided that were weaknesses for me. Yeah. Right. Like playing scales on the guitar. I can learn how to play scale. I've actually, man, I've been feeling a lot better about like little leads I've been doing. Dylan and I played the other night. I got to jam with you, jam yeah. with Neil Harrington. Uh, and just like what I was saying to you, every time I play with somebody, I like learn like that chord that you were showing, it's kind of like an E minor, but it's like a B over D sort of thing. But I knew, I knew you use that chord all the time, but I never thought about moving it. Yeah. But I love movable chords. Right. So it's like, and then Dylan and I were jamming and he, I just always pick something up from somebody. Yeah. You know? Yeah. No, I mean, that's, 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 that's definitely cool. You know, is, is, uh, but yeah, move those chords, man. You know, don't, don't I, I feel love fixed. Movables. Right. Because I mean, it like some some people might be oh you know that's that's lazy or whatever and it's like no oh. you're just trying to find a different sound i know, love or, doing uh, movable chords specifically with open tunings that yes. i've experimented with i don't play open tunings a lot but i want to start doing it more like i have enough guitars that i'm tr- i've been thinking of a system of like okay I'm going to keep this guitar in this tuning like have a couple of alternate tuned guitars and then a drop d guitar mm-hmm. And then the rest standards, yeah. But yeah, it's a See, great if, benefit if, of having like twenty instruments in my house, right? If you're David Gilmore, you know you could you could probably do that. Where it's like, hey, I've got this guitar set up for this, or you know, this is when I want to cheese grater your face on <laughs> on a blues blue scale. Yeah, yeah, David David Gilmore, man. Did you did you listen to the li- or watch the uh, live in Pompeii he did and I think it was 2016. Uh no. I've, I've not seen my apartment the, when I saw that. that the the cool. most recent or well yeah. I mean yeah cuz it's a, you say Pink Floyd live in Pompeii I'm like yeah man 1971 yeah, and it's like yeah, no. with echoes and no, stuff. Yeah, right. It's like no, no, no. This is the later. Yeah. Here I'll throw up one uh, real quick and then we'll we'll wrap this okay, up. Okay, I mean I, that's I, that's, I love, that's cool uh, cuz I mean like David Gilmour is one of my absolute favorite guitar players so you know, I mean, uh, I know that's kind of a popular pick, but you know what? The guy's just that good. So, I mean, he's just, just, and he's, he's just a cool dude. So. Uh, widespread panic sometimes, uh, plays the, the intro to this and then they'll go into one of their songs. Yeah. Oh, so what you kind of like psych out the audience? Yeah, we're going to get run like hell. And then it's like, nope. <laughs> yeah. They do that. The teases all yeah, the right. time, man. And they do it like, they call them sandwiches. They'll play a song and then they'll meander into like three other songs. Like we're just coming back to finish up that first song real quick right here. A sandwich. Yeah. Okay. So this is from, from 2016, so 2016 okay. live in Pompeii. Yes. Uh, he did an album. But it's like a live DVD, too. Yeah. It's, it's great. I think the whole live performance is on YouTube. Man, how do you even see? He has yeah. all of his people have glasses on. Yeah. Pretty this much. Is like, like kind of unreal. 
man. Put down your cell phones and just enjoy the show, folks. <laughs> we are here to worship you, David. <laughs> we are paying homage. We bow beneath your feet. Dude, I love that song. I do too, man. This just this whole beginning part. Yeah. Uh, it looks like he's he's playing a telly. He's got a telecaster. I can't even. Right, be, I know. I can't even all beat in on the body, man. Feet. Yeah. Oh, man, that sounds good. Yeah? Yeah. Yeah, that's yeah, a, that's yeah. A, that may be his Esquire, I think. I think it's like a 1955 Fender Esquire. Which I want to say is the guitar that he used on Dogs. But yeah, man. That's got to be my favorite Floyd song, honestly, Dogs. It's just it's just bad because it's like, yeah, I, man, I love David Gilmore, but it's like when I hear this song, it's like I want to hear Waters, though, you know? It's like, why can't we just have the best of both here? I know, you man. Know, where it's like like they're they're together and... And they don't hate each other as much, or I mean, I don't know what their relationship is now, but they played acoustically right. and stuff I, I, together. I, I, a I guess of it's times. better, you know. It's a lot better. So I've been doing more movable D chords. Yeah, as well. man, movable Ds, and then also like imagine like you know an F, like a but sliding it down to the third through the fifth fret. It's like a variation of a G. Yes, right. Yeah. It's kind of like a G bar, but uh, I've I just been that. playing that four string version of that. Yeah. And, and playing it with like those movable D chords. Yeah. Yeah. I just want to point out that Roger had to get three guitar players to fill in for David Gilmore yeah. at the show. <laughs> Man, just. Yeah. You are not Roger. <laughs> no. But he wants to be, <laughs> you know. <laughs> it's gonna be fun when we get to the wall, trying to like uh, um, decipher that story, you know, because yes. there's a lot going on, and it's like, what's real, what isn't real, you know? Are we just completely in Pink's head, you know, that sort of thing? That is an awesome guitar, though. But man, I love this song. David Gilmore was like one of the first guys who was like really into like rack-mounted effects units, like in the eighties, like mm -hmm. in the late seventies and the eighties. Man, it's gonna be so cool to sit down and it's my goal to listen to all of the albums yeah. of uh, like Floyd, Zeppelin, Tool. Um, well, pa panic and just do podcasts on them, but yeah. just to be able to say, I sat down and I listened Listen to, to them, and thought right. about all of these albums and spent time with them, you know. Are, are we going to do the Beatles? Is that going to happen? I would do some? the Beatles. Okay, that's yeah, cool for sure. I may be able to get Julian on it because I mean she's oh, yeah. a big Beatles fan too. So that's the cool thing about um, the music unraveled, like just doing the albums is you could do that format with any band and just do all their discography. Yeah. I'm not saying you back to mother and a cardboard. Yeah. He's, he's aping Roger shit. Yeah, super yeah. hard right there. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. Yeah. 
Yeah. <laughs> this sounds like a freaking elephant trumpeting man. I'm gonna have to go back and do my research, but I I don't I don't remember if Richard Wright was did this or not because he got he got like I want to say Roger threw him out of the band. Yes, and then David like brought him back. Yeah, or which, something. I think he came back, but th- but then you know they were well, he definitely played with David yeah. after the uh, Roger left. But I mean that just seems like kind of a didn't they kick him move? out and then hire him to like sit in or something like yeah, that like, like as a session musician or whatever yeah that was man you know one of the founding members or whatever awkward, and it's like awkward petty awkward shit yeah i wonder like how Hold much of this like people like were um there's a lot of rumors about them all having different bouts of drug and alcoholism yeah. uh, at different times in the band different albums Right. I want to say this is always like what, like an encore piece for them, right? They would always play this or whatever. Like when, when they got the band back together in the eighties, I want to say this was like the encore. So they go out there and play run like hell and everybody would just go crazy. You know? Yeah. I could, I could see that. Man, I love this song. <laughs> it's good, man. Yeah, it's a feel-good song. It, it, I, I just, yeah, even if it's just David Gilmore solo, it's a great song. What's interesting is to see the subtle differences. I, Roger and David, and and I think it was this same year that I saw Roger the first time, but they play a lot of the same songs. Yeah, but they yeah, play a yeah, lot yeah, of different yeah. songs. Also, so it's probably they probably play about sixty percent of the same stuff. Oh man, look at all that money. <laughs> <laughs> yep. This is what you paid for, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. These are your tickets. Oh my gosh. Colby's Col- always calling David Gilmore fish face man. <laughs> oh oh yeah. well. That's yeah, that was good. Man. That was a play. I, uh, I don't think I've heard a bad version of that song yeah. by, you know, any of the Floyd members, but yeah. Um, I, I, every version I've ever heard of, it's great. I yeah. love it. And I love it when Roger plays it on the bass. I got to admit like that, the sort of lead in and that's how panic kind of does it is, uh, their bass player starts. He does a delay on the bass. Yeah. 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 So it's, it sounds super awesome. Oh man. That's, that's just so cool. Yeah. If I if I ever got the opportunity to see David Gilmore in concert, I would. Hey, to see Roger Waters, I would. I I yeah. I I'd do it. You know, uh, just yeah. to be like, hey, you know, these 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 guys, you know, I mean, they helped influence me as a musician and they enriched my life, you know, in some some capacity, you know, I, and I felt like I was definitely witnessing something very special with yeah. the Roger Waters concert that I that I would never forget and that I I I hope that he does another run yeah but i also i mean he's 70 i very much got the feel that i would may never get to see something like that again yeah he's also ultra ultra political too which you know he's also ultra capitalistic <laughs> man he talks shit about that but it's like dude your shirts are 75 dollars yeah okay like yeah, yeah, yeah. take the yeah, just take people's money yeah, I, he's always railing against israel that's like his yeah, i know i know <laughs> yeah, there's a bunch of crazy shit going on over there too yeah it's like all right you know it's like i'm just here to enjoy the music you know yes, yes. You know, please stop <laughs> arguing with tom york please yeah or don't they have like some sort 
a feud about Israel going him and the good dude from I, Radiohead. I didn't know that. I think so. Like, I, the, like they're talking shit about like one of them is, playing is, there. Is that is that? A, are, do you like Radiohead, Brian? Oh, okay. I hate him, you know, I, so when I, I was a I'm teenager, really man, I loved Radiohead. Yeah, like, I mean, like back okay, in like nineties, yeah. I was like, man, these guys are like they're on another planet, man. I, I was know? just ta- talking about Karma Police to somebody the mm-hmm. other day. That's a that's a classic, uh, you know. And too, I was listening to an old uh, Verve album the other day, yeah. uh, and I was like, oh man, they have more good music than I thought or remembered or really ever got into. Now the verb, they're the ones who did bittersweet, bittersweet symphony, symphony, right? Yes, Which, yes. and they got sued by the Rolling Stones. They got sued by Mick Jagger and oh, Keith Richards. Yeah. For I that. heard something about that. I didn't know. I don't know because they lifted, I guess the sample from some orchestral album that was like arrangements of their tracks or something like that. Allegedly, I think they got okayed, but then once it started making money, I think Jagger and Richards were like, Hey, we want in on that, you know? Yeah. You know, Led Zeppelin. (laughs) (laughs) Jeremy told me about that. I didn't know that Zeppelin had ripped off a bunch of riffs and stuff. 20 tracks worth. I was like, I was never like a huge Zeppelin fan in any capacity. Like I respect them and I like them, but it's just like, it's like, oh God, I don't know how I feel now. I love how they are obsessed with Crowley. Speaking, yeah. Speaking of, of, of Led Zeppelin and, and rip, rip offery i guess we can call it right plagiarism like, plagiarism yes plagiarism right is uh have have you seen the jimmy page mirror telecaster no where he put like mirror discs on it or whatever this is like something he was doing like back i guess in the early 70s i don't know like, i don't think like I've around led zeppelin one or two or whatnot but apparently sid barrett was doing the same thing like several years before that so <laughs> Jimmy Page. Eat your heart out, yeah. Jimmy. Yeah, Jimmy Page. Just uh, Colby always wants to argue Jimmy Page is the greatest guitar player of all time. What do you think about that statement? I respect Jimmy Page. I think he's 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 probably a cool dude, even though, man, it's just like, I don't know. I feel like Jimmy Page spent like about 20 years where he wasn't sober, you know, and it's like but it's i mean he's 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 good but i don't know there's just something that's a bit show off about what mm-hmm. is like people and call I, people say he's got sloppy technique yeah or intentional or, 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 or it's just like or the fact that that he takes the stage with like oh i've got like a 1959 les paul you know sunbursts like uh gibson les paul you know and it's it's like you know who who in real life can afford something like that who isn't like uh, a ceo you know or or the like like the 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 double neck like yeah, 12 strings right? slash slick six string guitar it's it, to me it's just it's it's a bit much it's a bit garish it's 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 a bit opulent for me you know, like, like you see David Gilmore on here and he's playing like a Telecaster or whatever, you know, which is, I mean, that guitar is, yeah, worth money, but it's like, I don't know. There's something more genuine about it to me. It's like, it's like, like sometimes I feel like, oh, I'm taking the stage with this guitar just to show that I have this and that you don't and that this is like a godlike instrument or whatever, instead of like, yeah. I, I just really like this guitar. This is really cool. And like like I just enjoy playing it. Like it's like an extension of my artistic abilities or whatever. You've seen the last waltz. Yes. 
Yes. Uh, the band. Yeah. The Have band. you seen that um, six string slash uh, double neck with the mandolin that yes. they had on yeah. that? That blew my mind. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know what they were thinking, you know, sort of like in the late sixties, early seventies. It's just like, we're going to just take, things to the max i'm glad know? they did yeah it's right we have things to talk about now yeah uh that last waltz is great i love watching uh man and i'm so partial to like the leave on helm mm-hmm. uh tracks that's like literally all the band songs that yeah. i like or leave on helm yeah saying. i don't know if uh, i i didn't i didn't connect the dots on that really because i thought he'd sang all the songs at one point yeah and i was like oh these other dudes sing too <laughs> I had no idea. Like, but yeah, and they're from Canada. Yeah. So yeah, that the Bob Dylan connection, man. That's, that too. Yeah. That's special. Right. Wow. And too, I like how uh, Levon Le- Helm is is like how how he, how he sings. He, he's, <laughs> he, he yeah. he's playing like I don't know how really, how, but he's he he turns sideways and sings. But he's just like off over here. Yeah, and, and it looks awkward, but that's he he that's how he makes it work. Uh, it's interesting. He's like talked about it on camera and stuff, but uh, interesting technique, very interesting technique. Like turning your head to sing. Yes, yeah. all vocal coaches would be like, "You don't do that." Yeah, no, 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 not at all. Man, uh, what's your favorite band song? You have one? No, not exactly. I, I didn't really get into the band that much. I mean, I've seen the Last Waltz, the film, uh, like. Like I never really did. Like other than like the Dylan stuff, like yeah. the basement tapes mm-hmm. and all that. I mean, that's that's about it. Yeah. I like um, Ophelia and the Shape mm-hmm. I'm in. Those are two of my favorites. The Weight, obviously, that's a classic. Yes. Um, what uh, what's another good one? Uh, the Night They Drove Dixie Down. Uh, it's about uh, end of the Civil War. Yeah, it's pretty pretty interesting song. Yeah, honestly. But yeah, man, I, I, I've got, uh, the Panic covers some, some of the band songs periodically and um, have played with a bunch of the people that were on the last one, Dr. John and yeah, and so on. Yeah, I think we mentioned Dr. John before we started recording, or I did, so. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, man. Well, dude, uh, so we'll do... We'll do. We'll be doing some album podcasts, some music unraveled. Yeah, yeah, yeah I'm going to be collaborating in some different ways with Ben Aiken on some music content. I don't really know 100% what, but we're going to do. He's got some new music he's going to work on. We're going to listen to some of his music on the podcast. Wow. And I think I'm going to set cool. it to where I can actually re- like plug his music. Like what, The stuff we were listening to, the audience actually couldn't hear that. Well, that's got to be weird for them. Well, yeah. like I, I typically <laughs> they can like, I'm like, oh, we're doing this video. They type, they can do yeah. it too and like, yeah. like watch along or whatever, watch it later. Like I find out about so much cool shit just by listening to podcasts yeah. bro have you seen this video and yeah. i'm like no i haven't like, what are you guys talking about <laughs> i should and i look it up right then you know so that's the the sort of benefit and too like i think um i just had a, an approach almost like reading a book like anymore i don't listen to, to well i mean i know we just did but like random tracks i try to listen to whole albums man i think this that's like 
a lost thing. Yeah, like it, we could just oh, we could just listen to our favorites. Let me type it in my Spotify. Right, right. I don't. I'd make a playlist of my favorites. Well, that's that's why I I think it's great that you know we, we sort of start this thing with Pink Floyd because they are like the quintessential like album band, right? Yeah. It's like where each track has its place. It it it, it tells a story or something. It is. It's a narrative, man. Right. It's uh. It, it, take, take one track off of like dark side and it's just like you know you can't do it right you can't even the instrumentals man any color you like i love that song dude yeah um on metal um what is the one with the dog oh that's uh, Nobbs. Yeah. Uh-huh. what is yeah. is that what is the name of the song oh I no uh, that's a uh, seamus right seamus yeah, seamus yeah yeah <laughs> right before echoes right it's like yeah it's in bet- right but with the harmonica yeah that dog man, is it. so cute too the beautiful dog see this this is gonna be this is gonna be because it, it may spark a little bit of debate because like like i love metal metal's a great album but i really think that that like the floyd got their act together with adam hart mother man i love that record that i'll be looking forward to listening to that yeah. one that's that's uh that's a good album for sure yeah it, it's like when's the last time you sat down and listened to that album all the way through maybe you have recently uh, I sure man haven't. it's probably been like maybe two years or something like that but it's still like man i'm like yeah i remember all these songs man and i you know i dig you know i mean like some people are like, oh, it's still like aimless stoner rock or whatever but it's like it's like no they're getting somewhere finally you know it's cohesive it's coming together Man, there's so many Pink Floyd cover bands out there, too. You ever yeah. seen any play live or anything? Um, uh, not in person, no. I've seen one cover band. Uh, they were up at, like, Bird's Fest. Okay. Uh, but they were okay. I saw that uh, Grateful Dead cover band, The Schwag, as well. Well, did they do as good of a Roger Waters imitation as the gentleman that we saw in the, the video here? Did, did, did they... I'm going to say no. Okay. That guy was really into yeah, he, Roger he was. Waters. He was emulating him. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> that's like uh, I, have you ever seen that movie Pineapple Express? Yes. So I have these. We had boxing class yesterday. I have three really tall dudes, like some of the tallest guys I've ever trained, all in the same class. One of them's like brand spanking new, and one of them's had 15 fights, and the others had three fights. And the, the guy has three fights was a college football player, and he's like six five or something. And but there's like and then the other guy's like six one and he's had all these fights and then the other guy's like new, but he's like he doesn't he thinks he's tiny he mm-hmm. like doesn't know how to get his like he, to be big to use his reach or whatever, and I was like, bro, new guy, imagine that this guy and that guy got together. <laughs> and yeah, remember that like James <laughs> yeah, Franco yeah, yeah, and they're yeah, yeah, talking yeah. about the weed strands or whatever. I was like. I need you to become the shit that these two dudes birth. Yeah. Like come into your own, you know, (laughs) like emulate them. But uh, you know, that's the cool uh, an interesting thing about art. And I think people uh, call it imposter syndrome. A lot of time is that we think, uh, are there original ideas? Is imitation the best form of flattery? Yeah. Like, uh, are there, can we even do anything that's not an imitation as humans? And like everything we have around is some song. Oh, I like Star Wars. I'm going to build a Star Wars puzzle. Yeah. It's just an imitation of something that was created by somebody, but the yeah. thing that they created is not, a, they didn't have the patent on it usually. Right. No. George I, I hear you. Space, space operas, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 
we'll uh, so we'll do we'll be we'll be back for multiple Pink Floyd album yeah, it's, reviews. It's going to be great to have Jeremy on here. It is, man. Yeah. I told Jeremy when he first came on the podcast, like, dude, it'd be dope to have you and Thurman on. Because like same we time. used to talk about these Floyd records like all the time, and like, well, I mean, that's like that. That's what friends do, right? You know, they talk about albums and they listen to albums, and it's like the like like I like I was going to save this, but like that's like like Jeremy and I like when we first met, which was like 16 years ago, you know, when we were working at Walmart. Oh wow, yeah. Like we cultivated our friendship technically over pink Floyd, you know, that like, wow. like, cause like he was just, he just like randomly was like seeing empty spaces. Right. You know, what shall we use to fill the empty spaces? Right. And I was like, where we used to talk. About, <laughs> you know? Dude. Okay. So, yeah. So I finished the rest of the lyrics, you know, how shall I complete the wall? Right. You know? And it was just like, and it's like, yeah, you're a cool dude. You know? <laughs> But yeah, so reminiscing. I met Jeremy when I was like eight years old, man. We went to church together when we were kids. I think you told me that. Yeah. And um like he was super into Star Wars and like Mortal Kombat and Street Fighter and shit. Yeah. We bonded over all that like, you know, sort of stuff. Uh I remember having like a birthday party, like sleepover type thing one time. We stayed up all night. It was also super fun. Yeah. Yeah, but but then honestly, like until the brief stint that I worked at Walmart, I really didn't see or talk to Jeremy very much after like junior high all the way through high school and then really didn't see him very much other than on social media. And I just kind of stayed in contact with him over the years a little bit, would shoot him a message and say, what's up? And it's also another benefit of the podcast. Like it just gives you an excuse. It's not it's not bullshit. Small talk like, oh, hey, what's up? (laughs) Yeah. How you been? You know, like the wonderful weather we're having. Yes, it's like David Gilmore versus Roger Waters. Who you got? You know, it's it it's more. See, it's it's going to get interesting once when we get to Pink Gilmore, where it's just David Gilmore because yeah, like momentary laughs of reason and all that because was division division bell yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. right because yeah that's where it's like it's gonna get land you know hey i'd be interested to go through that too and also like it is a spinoff to evaluate this could be its own podcast um i would love like to do a back-to-back listen of david gilmore's solo album first Mm -hmm. solo album and roger waters uh first solo album (laughs) well i'm already gonna go out on on uh, and and say just like probably premature to everything but Gilmore solo work is better. <laughs> I know, right? That's why I don't uh, make for a good podcast. Know, yeah, it's oh. uh, it's like okay, yeah, you got self entitled versus pros and cons of hitchhiking. Yeah, yeah. The, the, um, the David Gilmore song um, "No Way Out of Here," love it, dude. Yeah. That's the that's off his first album, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, but uh, it's fantastic, uh, fantastic song. Uh, Oh man, I don't want to hear about the commercial insurance, guys. It's, it's Friday. Yeah, go into your sending weekend. me screenshots that have four thousand dollars on. I don't know what that means. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just trying to podcast. Yeah, that's like all the time at the gym. People are like Brian, I need to pay. I was like, I don't do that, dude. Yeah, I'm just here to choke people tonight <laughs> and to talk about this guy about how he needs to emulate the child of these two guys. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
it's kind of nice though because I, I literally I, I need to do more business uh, things but I do dad tons of marketing and um, once the studio is at the gym I'll do more gym related audio content I really I do some blogs and shit but I haven't yeah. done a whole lot so well man let's wrap it up okay. and uh yeah, we we'll we'll see you back in the studio soon thurman yep. we've got multiple little strands podcast after yep. the shows music unraveled uh history unraveled with the 1968 yep. series that we're working on uh, and continuing to do research so keep tuning in we appreciate everybody's yep. support signing off all right